Welcome to the Relationship Road Trip, navigating the twists and turns of all the important relationships in your life. I'm Ben Azevedo, your backseat driver, or maybe in this case, your remote co-pilot? I'm Dr. Don Fernando Azevedo, clinical psychologist, executive coach, and voiceover artist, your navigator. And I'm Kim Azevedo, licensed marriage and family therapy associate, tuning in from the internet, your mechanic. And you, listener, are the leader of this convoy. 10-4, good buddy. quote is by Steve Coates. Remember that we choose to follow leaders based on the way that leaders make us feel. Therefore, we're more likely to follow people who make us feel strong, powerful, valued, etc. Remote associates are no different. You just have to concentrate on ensuring that your remote people feel included, supported, and part of a team. Last week, we talked about family-owned businesses. This week, we're going to look at relationships in remote teams. Lots of us are working remotely these days, and that can have a big impact on team dynamics. Don, what are some of the issues we see with working remotely? So there are three big areas to consider. Self-care, communication, and morale. So for self-care, you have to look at working from home as a big transition. Be gentle with yourself. It's not easy, and it's not straightforward. For many people, it works best if they make a schedule and then let their team know what it is and stick to it. The schedule helps you create new routines that will support a mindset of being at work instead of being at home. And that's an important distinction. So you mentioned it's like a big transition and we're all, you know, maybe three and some months into this. How long would you say it takes a typical person to adjust to a transition like this? So on average, most people can change habits in about six weeks with concerted effort. That's in general, and it depends on the complexity of the behavior and the complexity of the stimuli and how well you do the reward to change the behavior. <laughs> right. And this is a pretty complex, you're changing a lot of behaviors, really. It's not just one thing. It's a big transition, but there's a lot of small habits and, like you said, a schedule and all kinds of things that you have to tweak and change to adjust to. And outside influences may or may not be helping you make this change easy. So if you set a schedule and then your work team does not pay attention or respect it, that makes it even harder. Or if you set a schedule and then your family doesn't respect it, you know, that's also a challenge in how to adjust to this and how to make all of these dynamics work. Yeah, super complex. So way back in the early 2000s, Working from home was becoming more of a thing for a lot of businesses, and this was not related to a pandemic or anything else. They were just trying to reduce office space needs. And some of the folks that I helped make that transition, what was important for them was to have a distinct time that they left home and went to work, like you do when you do on a commute, right? You get in your car, you go to a different place, you know you're at work, and then you get in your car and you come back, or a bus or a train, depending on where you live. The same kind of thing needs to happen for folks. For me, I get dressed as if I am in the office being seen by people the way that I've always done for 30 some odd years, come down to my office, and once I close the doors, I'm actually in a different place. That's how I go in my mind to be ready for work and attentive for work like I would be if I was somewhere else. So create the schedule that will help you support new routines and recognize when you're going to be at work 
as opposed to being at home. Also, take scheduled breaks. Use a timer. Get up and walk around. Take lunch. Breathe. What? Breathing? Are you sure that's important? Oh, I I really do. I really, really do. You have to protect your time. Protect both your productivity time for work and your time for renewal and refreshing. Managers worry that folks are going to be watching Netflix or you know doing laundry or all the rest of that stuff. And what the data shows for people who work from home is that they actually work longer hours. They make the mistake of adding in the time that they would have commuted to their job to working their job. I think that it's interesting that a lot of the tools that let us now in 2020 work remotely are the same tools that make it harder to put work down, even if you are commuting to and from work. Yeah, absolutely true. The whole email and texting that makes you on call 24-7, 365, it's actually reducing effectiveness rather than increasing it. I've read some things too about companies that are worried about, like what you said, you know, people working from home and just watching Netflix or whatever or not being productive. And so they are turning to all these crazy technological tools to try and like monitor their employees remotely. And it gets really creepy really fast. What do you think about all of that? Don't do it. Yeah, it really destroys trust. It does. And and the reason that we selected the quote that we did for, for this particular episode is managers and owners of businesses and that kind of stuff have to remember that the reason people want to work for you is how you lead them. If they feel connected to their work team, to their immediate boss, and maybe the boss above that person, they will stay with the company because the company to them is represented by that particular boss. I know companies don't want to believe this. They've got this big culture thing going on. Time and time again, research demonstrates that it reduces down to your immediate boss and your boss's boss as who the company is. If your immediate boss is a jerk, the company is a jerk. If your immediate boss is a wonderful person to work for, the company is a wonderful person to work for. So don't do all this monitoring. Set clear expectations, set clear deliverables, and let your people do it because they will. They really will. And the people who won't do it, all the monitoring in the world won't make that any better. Yeah, they're just going to try to find loopholes in that. Right. So those people you just, you fire and you move on to the next person. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Right. So you have to protect your time. You also need to create a workspace that's separate from your usual home space. This can help you differentiate work from home life. And you have to protect that workspace. Use signs to let others in your house know when you're working and when you're available. Get the right furniture, too. It may be okay to sit for a couple of hours with a computer in your lap, but when that becomes a couple of months, you may start developing joint issues and other kinds of issues that will make life miserable. So set things up so you can comfortably work. Looking at the really cool tools that exist, so I mean, we have standing desks, but we also have like under-desk treadmills and bike desks, which help incorporate movement into your everyday life. I bought myself a bike desk because I do sit so much and especially doing therapy, I can't exactly get up and walk around too terribly much unless I'm on a phone call. But I can bike while I'm writing notes. And on Thursday, I actually biked 10 miles 
while writing notes and doing a therapeutic phone call. And that's really just helped get movement into my life because when you work from home, it's so easy to just sit down and work and that's all you do. And like Don was saying, getting up to breathe, to take a walk, to even take a lunch break becomes something that you forget to do. Or you sit down and you have lunch and you're still working. So these types of things incorporate that movement that your body so desperately needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know we've talked about it some before and I can't really emphasize it enough, but I think that the creation of a workspace is super, super important. And a lot of people, I think, struggle with it. And for lots of good reasons. I know plenty of people who really can't create a workspace that's separate from their house space. And that's it's a bummer because... There's lots of studies about it. There's plenty of articles about it. We're talking about it. I've heard about it everywhere. It's really important. It makes a huge difference to be able to literally shut the door on your work if you need to, or if you have to, or if you can. But some people just can't. And you can still create designated areas. There's lots of ways to sort of psychologically design a space that is exclusively for work. But I think that becomes much, much more difficult for people in an apartment or in just smaller living situations or with small kids running around. You may have fewer single purpose zones. I live in a one bedroom apartment and it is hard to have that designated space. What I've done is found a corner of my apartment that I put a desk in and I don't have the distractions. So I don't have windows that are near that. I have windows adjacent, but I can't stare out a window while I'm at work. And I've designated to, this is where I do work. So I don't do anything else at this desk. I don't even do art, which is something I really enjoy. This is strictly work and podcast only. I get up and I do other enjoyable things or surf the internet or whatever at different places in my home. And that's the best I could do as far as designating a workspace. I'm pretty good about making sure that this stays work only, but I have thought about, you know, if it became a challenge, I could figure out how to make some level of barrier around it in order to shut it further away. It's interesting that you mentioned that you don't do art there, because I think for me, one of the sort of unforeseen side effects of this is I'm working out of my home studio, which is a room I have to myself. So great. I can shut the door. It's a good area that I can focus in. All of my tools of the trade are in here so I can do my job very well from this room. But I also use this room for music and fun exploration of the things that I do for work. And I have noticed that having to be in here for eight hours a day or so, I don't really want to come back in here at the end of the day and play guitar. Like, I just, I'm done with this room. I want to go somewhere else and sit in the living room or go outside. And that's fine. But it, I'm going to have to think, you know, the longer we stay in this situation, which doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon, I'm going to have to think of ways to continue to pursue the things that I enjoy and maintain this protected workspace. Right. And it is really hard. I noticed that, which I also don't really have anywhere else in my apartment to do art. So I noticed that I was sitting here and trying to do art and I was like, this sucks. I don't want to sit at this desk any more than I have to. So I actually hauled the desk up my three flights of stairs all by myself, which I was very proud of, and wedged it into a corner. So I just have a different desk that I sit at to do art. 
because also sitting in my living room and trying to do art wasn't being effective because that's where I sit to relax and watch TV and cuddle the cat. So I didn't have a good space to do art there either because I needed that space as a space away from everything else. Right. So what both of you are referring to is what happens subtly for all of us around mindset and expectations that we have for ourselves based on the stimulus around us, the environments that we're in. All of that is very, very subtle, and most people are not aware of that effect on them. If you can become aware of it and create spaces that are specifically for work or play or those kinds of things, or even if it's the same space but reconfigured for each of the things that you want to do, it helps you get into that mindset and do better work and better play. Well, reconfiguring spaces is a whole other hobby of mine. So <laughs> let's talk about the, uh, the second big area that we mentioned up at the top, communication. So communicating with your team, I suppose, at work. What is different when you're working remotely about communication? It's really hard to communicate. The information kind of seems to get lost in, in translation. So it's really important to over communicate restating things until people are kind of annoyed with you just to make sure that the message has gotten there. And especially with the level of distraction that's happening, more specifically following up with people to make sure that things are getting done. Usually when you're in kind of a community workspace, it's easier to have casual interactions. It's easier to share information kind of quickly and easily. Whereas when you're all separate, it's a lot harder to make sure that information gets shared, especially if people are keeping different hours than they normally would because they are working from home. Making sure that you understand the security protocols so you are being secure with the information that's shared. It's also an important thing, which I hope everyone has followed up on, which if you haven't, check your company policies and make sure that you're following those. Also checking to make sure that you're up to date on whatever communication policies and information policies your company has in regards to the pandemic that's currently happening. If you are a manager or a team lead, making sure that your team knows what your preferred contact method is. If it is a phone call, make sure they know. If it's a text message or an email, communicate that, right? If it is a calendar invite, tell them these things. So that way they're able to share information quickly in a way that you are receptive. This goes for everyone, but especially people who are leading larger groups of people. What happens if people keep communicating with you, not in your preferred method of communication, even though you tell them what you want? Keep reminding them. You actually might ask them. So I've asked you to contact me this way. You keep contacting me that way. I'm curious. How are you seeing that as more effective? Yeah. Set up the context. The important part with that, that's called, by the way, the horns of a conundrum. That's the name of that technique. Sorry, one more time. Horns of a conundrum, where you put, here's one thing, and then here's your actual behavior. Make sense of that for me. Y'all got hung up on these horns all through your childhood, so I'm surprised you don't know it. <laughs> well, well you didn't you exactly it tell the horns us that. Of conundrum. Right. Well, I wouldn't have given you Sounds the technical like name. Some like Lord of the Rings <laughs> stuff or something. <laughs> but when you ask people that way, they actually stop and say, why do I think this is a more effective way? Or it's possible that they don't know how to do the method of communication. And that opens up the opportunity for you to educate them. Yeah. A lot of companies use Slack. 
And many people find Slack very confusing. That's fair. There's a lot going on in Slack. Until Friday, I didn't actually know how to set up a scheduled Zoom call. So I had to learn that. Wait until you learn all of the other interesting things about Zoom. Zoom's great. Oh, it's a wonderful platform. It's a great platform. It's very expensive if you need it to be HIPAA compliant, but uh, I'm sure it is. I'm not on there very often because we have other software that we need to use. Oh, we use Zoom and it's been fun. The virtual backgrounds are good. They've got some impressive, as a, as an audio visual person, they have some impressive tech in there for cutting out your background without a green screen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always work. (laughs) It does depend a bit on your computer's hardware. Another thing about communication, this is actually about like, we're going to talk some about when you're available for communication, which you could broadly say, you know, okay, here are my office hours. You know, like I'm normally in the office at 8 a.m. and I leave around four. So like I'm generally available from eight to four. But I've also noticed, you know, talking about the complexity of Slack or even email and that there are multiple avenues of communication. And that's important, right? So you need to be able to call somebody or shoot them a quick one-off message, send them an email, all this stuff, carrier pigeon, etc. I've found though, that sometimes it's really difficult for me to get good work done with certain types of tasks if I'm on Slack, because I'm constantly getting bombarded, not even with stuff that needs my attention. You know, there's just conversation happening and some of it does need my attention, but almost none of it is urgent, like needs a response right away. So I've actually found that turning Slack off or even closing it or muting it or setting a status that says I'm away for the next hour is really, really helpful. All of those things are wonderful. Also, if you can have a shared calendar, blocking out time and letting people know from 10 a.m. to noon, I'm working on X company's project and not available for conversation or interruption, call me afternoon. When I worked at Cisco, that was one of the things that we did. We had a shared calendar. And if I was working on a project, I would let people know I'm not available now. I'm in a cube. I'm just down the the hall from you, but I'm not available because I'm working on this project. And people want to adhere to those requirements if they know about them. Right. And it's important to take into account time zones and how that affects your communication with other people. Saying like from 10 to noon, I'm working on this project. Some people might forget that your 10 to noon is a couple of hours different than your 10 to noon, their 10 to noon, and being respectful of that. It's weird and we're all still getting used to it. I mean, it's hard to remember like with all of the instant communication that we do have to be mindful of some people are experiencing different things at different times during the day. That includes kids or pets who are disrupting your workflow. That's interesting to think about different things at different times during the day that like, you know, if you take an office of 100 people that was working predominantly in an office together, they're experiencing a lot of the same things at the same times every day, right? It's like a very homogenous experience. And then you take those same hundred people and send them all home to work. And now you have a hundred different experiences. And that's a, a really drastic change. Or think about the whole move to outsourcing, and now you have 25 people in India, 14 people in Sweden, 10 people on the East Coast of the United States, 15 people over on the West Coast of the United States, all in extraordinarily different time zones. And how do you have a team meeting? How do you talk with one another? How do you coordinate time? It becomes complex. And that's not even a pandemic problem. That's been a challenge for years and years. 
Well, yeah, but not that long. Roughly since the 2000s. That's years um, and years. That's, <laughs> that's 20 that's years 20 ago. Years. All right, all right. So I'm a very old man. So not all of us like are as old as yesterday. You. <laughs> that's that's my almost my entire life, for the record. Sure, which is not very long yet. Just a right. mere moment ago, the 2000s. Yes. <laughs> In any case, all of those things have to be taken into consideration. And remember that no matter how technology helps us connect, we are still human beings. And human beings connect primarily in person. Lots of great research on this, too. If you're going to make a, a remote team, one of the best things to do at the very beginning of that team is to bring them all together in one place. It's actually less expensive over time to the company if all of the members come together for a couple of days to get to know one another, to recognize one another's faces and attitudes, come together and gel as a team, and then go off and work. Much more effective. So that's not really possible right now. But not at this moment. Good research to have, especially going forward, knowing that remote work is not going away and might actually become more popular. Oh, absolutely. Um, so figuring out how to do it well is the key thing that we're, we're talking about here. I just want to go beyond the pandemic is important, but I want to go beyond the pandemic because this is going to go beyond the pandemic. I also think it's important to remember that sometimes technology crashes. Uh, so you might be trying to reach out to someone and they're not responding immediately. So do remember that sometimes a computer crashes or your internet goes out all of these different things that we don't take into account when we're in a workspace. You mean you didn't just hang up on me? Well, you I hung up on. <laughs> I can count on that. Pretty much. So what about when when there are problems, you know, when you need to have communication about challenges or either work-related challenges or relationship-related challenges at work? Call them. Make a video chat if you can. Call them if you can't. Text has so much stuff that goes missing. There's tone, inflection. Honestly, the best option is a video chat so you can see facial reaction real time. But if you can't do that, do a phone call because if you're just trying to text your emotions or email your emotions, it's left for so much misinterpretation. But there's so many emojis in Slack. That's great. And I think they cover all of my emotions. Well, your emotion is happy. There's like... At least five different versions of happy I can use. Except when you have the person who thought that that little stream of brown stuff that piles up was a ice cream cone and not. <laughs> I always wondered why they use that one so much. Everyone just wants ice cream. Kim makes a really good point. If you start to have a difficulty, a misinterpretation, a crash, so to speak, before it becomes a huge pileup, Stop and call the person. Clarify what's going on. Find a pathway forward. And you really can't do that via email. You can't do it via chat or text. It's just ineffective. I tell this to my married couples, too, who try to resolve things through text when they're in the same house. Um, and I say, guys, come together. At least call each other from upstairs and downstairs at the, at the very least. But that's just not a great way to resolve issues. And it usually escalates problems. That's interesting because I think that there are times when talking through it in a text format can help clarify certain things. I don't disagree with either of you that you lose a lot of, especially the emotion. But if you're having a, a healthy argument, so like you're not mad at each other, but you're disagreeing about something, I, I think that there are times when 
being able to kind of like line up your thoughts in text can help communicate that in a clearer way. At that point, you don't have the emotions involved. It's when right. the emotions become involved that you need to pick up the phone or get a video chat going. Exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Promptly reply to emails and voicemails. What's promptly? So set expectations. So um, for instance, my what I tell folks is if you call me, I will call you back within 24 hours. Actually, your voicemail says 24 to 48. Just saying. Well, that's because I'm getting old now and my reaction time is slowed. Well, I'm just informing you that the expectation is between 24 and 48. Well, you better you be go. careful because soon it's going to be years and years. He'll get back to you in 2040. <laughs> it was, it's, it'll just be a minute. <laughs> that's if I'm alive in 2040. But you know, just set the expectation of what that's going to be. Like, for instance, you know, Ben, you were talking about before that um, sometimes you really need to be focused on a, a project. So if someone texts you, it may be two or three hours before you respond to them. Yeah. And I think you could set tiers too, right? You could say there's already some built-in expectations. People don't expect a response to an email as fast as they do to a Slack message. We don't text each other at work very much. Like that would be, if somebody texted me about a work thing, that would be like a crazy emergency. I would respond to that instantly because I would be so surprised by that. But that's, that's an expectation. That's a, it's outside of the norm of communication. But like a Slack message, people, I think, expect a reasonably quick response. So it's setting that, that window of time, you know, I'm going to be working on this thing for two hours so I can set in Slack, like I'm not going to respond to stuff until this time. And then an email, I'm not going to make a special note about that because I don't think anybody's going to be super upset if I wait two hours to respond to an email. I think a lot of people with email to set kind of almost the inverse of this, instead of setting times that they're busy and not responding to email, they'll set a specific time, you know, maybe a half hour at the beginning of the day and a half hour at the end of the day where they just respond to all their email stuff. And I've heard that's a good strategy. I personally don't really get enough volume of email that I need to respond to to do that. But mm -hmm. I know people who do. And so you've just talked about setting clear expectations, recognizing the culture of your organization and what's a typical way of communicating and what's an atypical way of communicating. Those are the kinds of things that you want to establish now that you're working remotely or you're working with a remote team. What should you do if there's conflict about setting those expectations? You know, if you're trying to set up something that will work well for you, but your team is saying this isn't going to work well for us. I mean, is this just a, you know, a conversation and a, a compromise situation? Sure. So you would start by listening. In what way would this not work for the team? What are you looking to accomplish? Now I'm trying to get your needs out on the table. Right. Then I want to share my needs. Here are the reasons why I would like to do it this way. When all the needs are on the table, then you can find solutions that work for everyone most of the time. It's so much work to work. Guess what, guys? It's communication. Hey. <laughs> yes. And it's respect and it's kindness and it's looking, it's caring about the needs everybody has, not just my needs. And recognizing that those needs are different, especially now when everybody's remote. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh. And especially with things like childcare being closed, right? Originally, when even if you're working from home on a regular basis, childcare is closed. You cannot send your child to daycare or to an event. So that even changes the dynamic of what happens at home. Yeah. And that's specific to the pandemic right now, but it, it's super important. You know, another thing that's interesting about remote working is that casual communication is disrupted. A lot of work communication happens 
because I bump into you on my way to the bathroom or to the break room or just when I'm, I've gotten up to stretch my legs. Uh, so I bump into you, we have a five-minute conversation, and we've just done an update on our project. Well, that doesn't tend to happen with remote workers. There's no casually bumping into one another. And if one of your remote workers shows up in your living room, that's a little scary. So <laughs> Texting you from the toilet. <laughs> so you're saying every time I take a bathroom break, I should make sure to, you know, shoot somebody an email. Uh, or, you know, no, I'm not saying that the cue should be when I'm going to the bathroom call. Um, <laughs> About to go to the bathroom, just thought I'd check in. But I am saying that you might work into your day. I want to reach out and, and communicate with each of my team members at least once a week mm. on something other than a project. Just to say, hey, how you doing? How's life going? The way that you would at work. You know, when I go into the building at work, I will say, hello, how you doing? You know, did you do anything interesting last night? Did you see to the whom? sports game? Well, he says it to the I wall because I'm never there. Yeah, who are you talking to, bud? My special friends. Oh, no. <laughs> Is your building haunted again? Yes, I actually. We, I thought we fixed this. Listen, so I heard I some had... crazy footsteps today and there was no one there. When I worked with lots of other folks, this was a typical way of, of working the day. So casual communication doesn't happen when you're working remotely. So you might need to think about it and create some of those to create the connections with your teammates. So it becomes a little less casual. Yeah. You know what else you should create? A good background for video conferencing. This is important. When you show up to a conference call or that kind of thing, you want to make sure that you are dressed like you would dress if you were showing up in a physical space with all the rest of these people. Wear pants. It's important. <laughs> is pants. it though? Is it? Yes. No, even if you're doing mindset. even if you are doing a therapy call, wear pants. If you this are is a on mindset thing, is the video chat with your therapist, wear pants, please. Now I will say I wear pants every day. I'm not of the mindset that one should not wear pants, but I also this one is not as big a deal to me, I feel, but maybe it's just because I do it. Like it doesn't, I don't, I guess the thing is that it doesn't bother me to wear pants. So I don't really understand not wearing them. That's more a placeholder for the idea of just showing up unkempt, sure. uh, unshaven, or, you know, your hair is a mess, or you're wearing a tank top, which is fine if you're going to the beach, but maybe not if you're having a conference with a client. I Listeners, believe I am wearing a tank top out. right now. <laughs> had to reference it it's trying to come at me now you want to know the real secret is i'm also wearing some swim trunks right now because <laughs> <laughs> listen going I've, stayed, later. I've stayed very focused on this conversation i'm invested in this okay so let's get back to the other idea you know when you're video conferencing being aware of the background how you're dressed all the rest of that stuff also be aware of the sound. So get a headset with a good microphone so that you can be understood and it's easier for you to hear other folks. And things like your cat sneezing in the background aren't as distracting for other people. Yeah, those kinds of things. The other thing is figure out how you're going to share information like you know, using Dropbox or Google Docs or whatever it is that your company uses to share information and then figure out how your team is going to do that. Yeah. All right. I think that's all the stuff about communication. Are there any other modes of communication we should talk about? Smoke signals. Um, smoke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Smoke signals. What about morale? How do you keep morale high, especially now, but at all times, if you're working remotely, we've already talked about a little 
that you don't have those casual conversations. You don't have as much, you don't have in-person stuff and humans like in-person stuff. So how do you keep morale high? So I actually know a company that every day sends out like the update email about expectations for the day, things that got to get done. And the person who writes it includes like motivational quotes and cute memes that they've found and just incorporates things that make people smile, or at least we hope make people smile uh, into that email so that people are reading it and starting their day off with something that's more mood boosting than just, hey, make sure you get this, this, this and this done. Yeah. And as team member, that's wonderful if you're like a team lead or that kind of thing to do the email you just described. And if you're a teammate, it's really okay to call your other teammates and just say, hey, how, how are things going? You know, catch up with, I didn't see a succulent Sunday, Ben. How are your, how are your bubs going? Mm. Things like that. They, I would know because I know you and you feel like, oh, I'm connected. And that's the key thing is how are we connected in ways other than work? Because that's what creates the morale that says, I like being part of this team. I should start a spooky Sunday. Spooky Saturday. Okay, fair. You know, we already talked about dressing and, and grooming appropriately. That's part of getting into the mindset of I am transitioning from home to work. And getting your mindset right is also part of keeping your, mor- your own morale up. Get your mind right. It's all about getting your mind right. When you use video conferencing, that's the best way. If you can't be in person, video conferencing is the best way to stay connected with and improve morale. And pro tip, when you're doing this, when you're talking, look directly at your camera. When you're listening, look at your screen. You know, I think, but the video conferencing thing I think is interesting because sometimes it's more exhausting to have a, a video chat sometimes. Sometimes it's really nice to just have the audio and just think, you can sometimes have a better conversation when you're just listening to each other. And I I definitely agree that video chat is the best possible way to communicate remotely pretty much most of the time. But I have had some very good, successful audio-only chats as well that I found very productive. And it was nice to not have to think about the screen and seeing the other person. So a lot of times too, I'm working on multiple documents. So I have other stuff pulled up for context. You know, even for this podcast, I have you two on a laptop screen so that I can look at you and talk as I'm doing right now. But I'm running, you know, the recording software up here. I got the notes over there. Like I spend a lot of the time looking vaguely off to the upper left, which I'm sure is kind of annoying to you, but it helps that we can see each other. But I don't feel like we always need to see each other to have this conversation, you know? So it depends on the relationship. When the relationship is well established, you are absolutely right, Ben. When the relationship is at its early stages or has had difficulty, you want to have more of the focused attention. It really depends on where you are. And there's no one single right answer. Different needs require different applications. And also, again, expectations. So like Don and I know that you're going to be looking at recording stuff. So I don't expect you to be staring me down through the computer. That's similar when I'm on a call with a client. They don't make constant eye contact when we're face to face. I don't expect them to be making constant stare down through the computer. 
So the context is also important and understanding that dynamic with your coworkers, especially if you're working on, you know, five, six documents, there's going to be clicking around and they may not actually have your face pulled up. Not all of us are lucky enough to have multiple screens. So we're stuck with like these tiny corners worth of information and trying to balance it all. So yeah, there are times when y'all are not present on my screen because I'm having to look at something else. And understanding that sometimes my face looks really funky because I can't monitor what my face is doing. (laughs) And sometimes my thinking face is a little bit strange. We're used to that. Well, yeah, y'all are. And I've let some clients know that if I'm thinking, sometimes I make a strange face and it happens. More or less, most of them know from face-to-face experience that, yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. But the newer clients that I've pulled in, I let them know that sometimes if I'm thinking, I will look off screen. And it's not me being distracted. It's me clearing my head. It's me focusing in on whatever my thought is. And it's that communication of this is what my process is. Another good thing is to share best practices. So as you've discovered different things that work really well for you to share that with uh, your team members so that they might do that as well. I mean, I Uh, love a best practice. Pretty much my middle name. So the last point to, to take into this is to think about working from home or actually working anywhere at any time as a series of iterations. Try something, see how well it works, tweak it if needed, and get a a sense of all of your life is about successive approximations toward what works best for you. What's the best path to your success? Mm. I mean, I love that stuff, but I know that other people don't, and I don't know what to tell them about it. Get good, I guess. You love that stuff being you love iterations? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I guess what I'm trying to say it almost comes back to the same like optimizing your workspace thing. For yep. me, that's almost like a fun hobby. Like I love doing that. I like researching ways to hook things up that are more efficient. I like learning how to use these communication tools effectively. I like I am sort of a student of productivity. I'm fascinated by it not from a how do I maximize it necessarily? which is how most businesses are fascinated by it, but just like almost a neutral, just the intricacies of it, you know, the ways that you're more productive at certain times of the day. I think that's crazy. It's really interesting that you can be productive at certain kinds of tasks at different times. But I recognize that that is not, you know, unique to me, but it's certainly not ubiquitous to all people. I think that there may be plenty of listeners who hear this and are like, I really don't have the energy to make a workspace in my place or to like have a bunch of casual conversations with my teammates at work or do any of these things. Do we have any way to help somebody who's like really mired down in this situation to make like a baby step forward? If you are a person who's listening to this and is very excited about these things, reach out to your coworkers, right? Because you reaching out might spark that in them. So if you're not sparked, try scheduling one or two of these in a week. Don't do every one of your teammates. Don't do it every day. But schedule, you know, hey, I'm going to call Charlie or I'm going to call Sally on Tuesday and Thursday and see how that goes. And it may become self-reinforcing in the sense that you call them, it goes really well and you go, yeah, I have more energy to do that. But that's a way to get started. Okay. Well, hopefully that helps those of you who are working from home right now 
remote work has some unique challenges, but it's definitely possible to be a positive experience, uh, especially if you take some time to be mindful about your setup and really take care of yourself and maintain good communication with your team. Try to keep your morale high, both your personal mood and mental state and also your close coworkers and teammates. We'd love to hear about your experiences working remotely, so feel free to reach out at questions at afpsych.com. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, enjoy the drive. Thank you for listening to The Relationship Road Trip. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to know what you think. So write to us at questions at afpsych.com. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or subscribing with your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes of the show at relationshiproadtrip.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Relationship Road Trip comes out every Wednesday at 7 a.m., so don't forget to tune in next week. The Relationship Road Trip is brought to you by Azevedo Family Psychology, where they are dedicated to helping you create a life worth celebrating. You can learn more about their services at azavitofamilypsychology.com. This podcast is produced by Bear Cave Audio. Bear Cave Audio provides a range of audio services, from original composition to podcast recording and editing. To learn more, go to bearcaveaudio.com or email ben at bearcaveaudio.com. Until we meet again, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. And may the sun shine warm upon your face. Mm-hmm.